My friends, I'm wondering if, like me, Jeremiah's words in the first reading are really resonating with you today. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. Jeremiah was a great prophet. He was a prophet during a very difficult time, a really dark time in the history of the nation of Israel. Judah was invaded by the Babylonian Empire. The upper and middle class Jews were exiled to Babylon. The poor were left behind. Jerusalem and its temple were destroyed. Many of the remaining Jews fled to Egypt. They took Jeremiah and his scribe Baruch with them. He survived. Jeremiah did great persecution, only to be stoned to death by his people for prophesying judgment against Jews who took up Egyptian idolatrous practices. So faithful was Jeremiah. He even rescued the Ark of the Covenant and hid it in Mount Nebo before the Babylonians destroyed the temple. He's preaching to the chosen, yet ungrateful people. So much suffering, rejected by the very people he served, seemingly abandoned by the Lord. Perhaps that, that is why he is known as the weeping prophet. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. My friends, we do know Jeremiah's call. It is familiar. It's familiar because it is our call too. Jeremiah tells us, the word of the Lord came to me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you, a prophet to the nations I appointed you. But Jeremiah objects, we object sometimes. Ah, Lord God, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord answered me, do not say I am too young. To whomever I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. The book of Jeremiah says that the Lord was too strong for Jeremiah, that God triumphed over him. Yet he was, Jeremiah was, an object of laughter, it says. Despite being so faithful to the Lord's call, he suffered greatly. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. My friends, have you ever felt like God has duped you? Some translations uh, translate it as deceived or even lied to. Do we ever feel like God has lied to us? We have faithfully answered God's call. We struggle each day to live out uh, our, uh, the call to live it out well. Yet there is so much suffering in our lives. Perhaps we faithfully took the vows of matrimony. And yet so sadly, we now struggle in a marriage filled with so much pain. Perhaps we are so open to life and desire to have many children in our marriage, but we struggle with infertility. Perhaps we've had the heavier cross even of a miscarriage. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. Perhaps you're a kid, graduated from high school, so faithful to your studies, High school ended and college begins on Zoom, on the computer in your dorm room. Or maybe you're older and you eat right every day, you exercise daily. 
and now you have cancer. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. Or maybe your daily communicant, yet your children and spouse have fallen away from the church. It breaks your heart. Or maybe the coronavirus has put you on the unemployment lines and you struggle every day looking at the internet, going through the want ads, yet months later, still no job. You duped me, Lord, and I let myself be duped. Faithful, perhaps, to the sacrament of penance, yet struggling every day, perhaps, even with serious sin, or generous in daily prayer, yet struggling with a deep loneliness that does not seem to be satisfied, perhaps even wondering if you'll ever discover your particular vocation. My friends, I feel like I was generous in answering God's call. It certainly was a surprise to me. I knew I would have to fight against relativism. I knew I would have to fight against Jansenisms and some of the other errors and the apathetic state of many in the church who have been influenced by so many secular forces. I knew there was a certain crisis of faith, the lack of belief in the real presence in the Eucharist, a lack of belief in truth, beauty, and goodness that is our faith. I knew about the sexual scandal before I entered seminary, and I was deeply, as you were, saddened by it. And when many more abuses were discovered after I was already a priest, I was outraged, but I was not discouraged. Honestly, I thought there would be more kumbaya moments in the priesthood, but I expected all of these difficulties. What I did not imagine was having to fight an invisible enemy of the coronavirus, a virus that separates and divides us, a virus that causes us to hide behind masks, keeping the people I'm called to serve from me. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. My friends, let us be clear. We have not been duped. God is with us, and he will deliver us. Do not be afraid. He has a plan, and I promise you, it is a good plan. It is better than your plan. His plan was better than mine. God didn't dupe me. He did not deceive me. But he did not reveal my whole life to me all at once, and I am so grateful that he didn't. If he had, I almost certainly would not have been willing to travel the road of suffering that he has sometimes asked of me. First, I needed to know him more intimately. I needed to come to trust him. This is true for all of us. To think and see not as the world does, but as God does. But perhaps like Jeremiah and Peter, we have forgotten our call. We don't know who he is, and therefore we do not know who we are. We've come to believe that the Christian life is, is an easy one. Not true, my friends. We were overwhelmed perhaps so long ago or even last night by an encounter with the God of love and mercy and are so overjoyed by it. We were overjoyed knowing that he knew us before he formed us in our mother's womb. And we couldn't imagine following him would include so much suffering. The seed fell on rocky or thorny ground, and we received it with great joy. But there was no root. Tribulation comes, 
and we fall away. Worldly anxiety and lure of riches choke out the word, and there is no fruit. My friends, Peter forgot his call, and honestly, it did not take long. After being inspired by the Holy Spirit and declaring Jesus to be the Christ, to be the Messiah, the long, long before Messiah, he was given a new name. He was given his mission. He was given the keys to the kingdom, only to be rebuked only to be rebuked in the strongest of ways. Get behind me, Satan. Peter tried to get Jesus to deny his cross. God forbid, Lord, he says, no such thing shall ever happen to you. But that is exactly what happened to Jesus, because as that is exactly what he desired. He desired to do the Father's will. How does one recover from such a sharp rebuke? Get behind me, Satan. But Peter would. Literally in the next narrative in Matthew's gospel, Peter will be on Mount Tabor in, well, he's witnessing the Lord's transfiguration. And he would once again speak on behalf of the disciples. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. My friends, the cross is not worldly. It is otherworldly. To embrace it is not natural. It is supernatural. And the graces we receive from embracing it are not inconsequential. They are life-changing. They are transformative. Embracing our crosses does not lead to a life of misery. It leads to a new life of surprising joy, allowing us to thrive as human persons. Even if, by the way, none of the consequences that cause, that contribute to our pain change, because he bore this pain first on his cross. My friends, Jeremiah felt duped. He did feel deceived by the Lord, yet he could not be silent because the divine word was like fire burning in his heart, imprisoned in his bones. So too please God with all of us. The fire of the Holy Spirit is burning in our hearts. His word is imprisoned in our bones. And like the psalmist, we sing out, our soul is thirsting for him, our Lord and our God. And we know that while God does not cause our suffering, he does and can bring about a greater good, his glory and our sanctification. It's a means to heaven for us. Ultimately, our happiness, and not just for eternal life, of course, but also even in the here and now. Happiness, my friends, is doing God's will. And just ask the Lord. It is difficult at times, but it is the only means to everlasting peace and joy. So if we want to be happy, then we must seek, discover, and do God's will. And this is why we are here today. We come here seeking. We come here, as Romans says, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, our spiritual worship. We come here not to conform ourselves to this age, conform to the world, no but to be transformed by the renewal of our minds through grace. 
We come, yes, to discern God's will, what is good and pleasing and perfect. My friends, it is good that we are here. God has not duped us. He has saved us. God has not deceived us. He has redeemed us. And so let us pray for each other. Let us pray for each other that the offerings that we make here in this Holy Mass may bring about the peace and joy that we seek here, not despite our suffering, but because of it. If you're hurting, seek the face of Christ here and call a priest. May God be praised. Amen.